0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. I'm joined by my co-host, Kim Cockerham, and this is the show where we take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. We've been lied to for decades, and it's killing us. Kim and I are here to help you find your destination to health We'll take your calls and answer your questions about food, fitness, nutrition, diet, lifestyle, exercise, training, supplements, drugs, diseases, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Kim, welcome.
1: Hi, Kevin. How are you?
0: I am doing great got uh all kinds of things on tap today but uh of course we want to get to everybody's calls and questions as well so uh what's new and exciting with you today
1: um you know what nothing today it's been a kind of a calm day which is nice and i think it it was kind of cool because when i signed on to see you know what we're going to chat about too with the show um it just it speaks so much my heart because i've just been really especially since school is done i'm in that period of time like it's um you know, the ebb and flow where it's real crazy, and then, you know, then it can back off and be a little calm, and I'm in kind of a, a calm period of my life, and I'm just enjoying it, and kind of uh, just marinating in it, and um, and uh, that's why I love what, you know, what we're going to chat about today.
0: Good, good. Well, that's exciting. You know, it's funny you use the word marinate. I was working uh-huh. <laughs> on, we have a, a webinar today. We're continuing our, uh, adrenal fatigue. Today is all about how to fix it. Last webinar was all the problems, what causes it, how to know you have it, all those things. Today is just all about how to fix it. And I was looking back through material I've used over the years, and Wayne Dyer
2: um, has written a ton
0: of books. And I've read so much by Wayne Dyer. And talk about calm. I mean, that guy just is just calm embodied. And he's got a, a five minute thing he does before he goes to bed. And he kept using that word. Like you're going to marinate in this overnight. Oh, and I just, cool. such a visual. And then you just said it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think you have to like, sometimes we'll, I had um, a massage therapist I would go to and she would make sure you didn't have some stuff like after. Cause you know, a lot of times you'll just fit it in wherever. And sometimes, and that's what, Sometimes you'll do like with meditation, you feel like, okay, I got my five, 10, whatever minutes in and then just dive right back into things. And I think we need to do that a little slowly and just, yeah, I love, I love the whole idea of marinate because it makes you pause and, um, yeah. and, and think about it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I used that line at the beginning, we've been lied to for decades and, and we absolutely have. And, and much of it was intentional. You know, it's one thing to be misled, you know, because maybe somebody else is just misinformed or we had bad information. And there was some of that. But the more I research some of this stuff and the more I study it, it, some of it is just absolutely intentional. It's our system that's broken. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a really unhealthy alliance of big corporations and big government and nobody really being accountable. Uh, and and I have two examples of that. One I'm going to talk about today, um, and one I'm going to talk about next show. Um, next show, we're going to talk about some really really scary drug statistics. Um, today, I want to talk about the fact that the trucking industry is finally starting to address health, which I mm-hmm. I, I should be excited about. It mm-hmm. should be a good thing. Unfortunately. I feel like the trucking industry is just 30 years behind everybody else. Mm -hmm. They're finally going to address health, but they tend to be using all the same old tired information that got us to this place where we are now with everybody so healthy. And I'm thinking, wow, this could actually make it worse. Which Mm -hmm. is hard to imagine because the health problems in this industry are so bad already. Um, Kind of an interesting story. I do a ton of reading and research, and a lot of times if it's health-related, I'll share it with you through the day. I'll send you a link. And I I sent you a link yesterday to a Mm -hmm. company we're all very familiar with, and Mm -hmm. we really like the founder. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. the guy who started (laughs) the company has done amazing things. And I was shocked when I saw this blog post come from his company, and I sent it to you. And your immediate reaction, and you knew nothing about this, you said, did he sell the company? And he did. (laughs) But you didn't know that. But that was your first Mm -hmm. reaction. Mm -hmm. Because it didn't sound like him. You know, I'm not even going to say who it is because I I really respect him and, and I'm not talking negative about him. But this is what can happen when a company gets sold. And most people aren't going to know it. It's the same name. You know, they're doing kind of the same stuff, but you immediately realized something was very different. And unfortunately, the article, this blog post, was horrible information about health. That it's all the stuff that got us where we are now. And now that the company's been bought, they're expanding. They've just announced yeah. a big partnership with TCA. They're going to be, they're working through fleets. And I got thinking, you know, I, I've been through this on the business side. Early on, you know, when you're b- trying to build a company and you're looking for every way to, you know, get some revenue coming in and get your word out, you know, it's always tempting in this industry to go to the fleets because the fleets have lots of money. They, they spend it on, you know, programs and, and it's tempting. And I started to go down that road. And I, I stopped and thought, and some of it was just the results I was getting were horrible. I had, I had money coming in. That was nice. I had programs I was working on. But the people I wanted to be helping them, I wasn't working with fleets to help the fleet. I was working with fleets because it was a way to get to the people I wanted to help, which were the drivers and the owner-operators. And my results were awful. I mean, fleets were paying me lots of money for to put programs together and do seminars and, and all kinds of things. And the end user, the driver and the owner-operator, they were just not engaged. It was handed to them. They didn't have to pay for it. It wasn't their idea. And they weren't engaged. Mm-hmm. It was so easy to convince the fleet that this was a great program and it was doing so much good and they'd keep paying for it. And I just couldn't do it. I, I, I finally just said, you know what, this isn't working. I'm not really, you know, impacting people the way I want to. And I made the decision way back then. I'm not working with fleets. We will go after the individual one at a time. And I don't care if it takes me 30 years to build the company, at least we'll be impacting people the way I want to be. And I watched other companies doing exactly what I was doing, accounting, taxes, those kind of things, grow like crazy because they stuck with that fleet model. And that was tough to watch. And now I'm watching it again on the health side. I could go out, you and I could go out, we could go out as a company, and we could work through the fleets, and we could grow like crazy. But... I know it would be a repeat of what happened on the business side. We wouldn't be impacting people nearly as much as I think we do now because the people we work with now come to us. They want to help. They're seeking Mm -hmm. it out. It's their money. It's their time and they're engaged. They have skin in the game. So I just needed to vent a little bit about that because (laughs) I, happening again on the health side and you know, here's, Here's the thing. The, the company that I'm referencing on the business side, I respect those guys tremendously. I worked with them for a while. I, I, at least they were really doing good work. You know, what they do is good. It's necessary. Um, it's, it's not the model I wanted to use because you get a lot of people and only a couple engage. Unfortunately, on the health side, not only are they using that model, but their information from what I gathered yesterday is awful just horrible i'd rather see the industry do nothing than do what they're doing
1: i read i had to read it twice and it was a short paragraph and it kind of made you shake your head and it was sad at the same time you know which and again because you you know and that's you know you love that it's becoming bigger in the industry it's so important and you're grateful it is but then at the same time very sad to see um see the information that that you know i think there were two of them that really stood out to me and uh, you know that's why i'm grateful for kevin that you're not afraid to bring out stuff that i mean some of the stuff you when you you first started talking about it had to really talk about it a lot to educate people on it because it was so against the grain on (laughs) grain um of of (laughs) what we've been taught forever until it finally starts clicking with people so i'm so grateful we share the message we do and the tribe is just phenomenal as well standing up to it and saying there's a different way better way
0: yeah and we'll just keep plugging along one person at a time because um, it's just very gratifying and and uh it's just awesome to be a part of it and see the results so We'll keep doing that. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come back and talk about the real topic for today, which is meditation. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. So Kim, we're going to talk about meditation today. And I know this is a topic you really like. I can even hear it in your voice when you talk about it. Um, I I have, I, I want to say I've dabbled in meditation for a long time because I never felt like I, I ever really mastered it or not even mastered it, but I, I never even feel like I got really good at it. Um, and so instead, what I've done over the years is I've used guided meditation, you know, CDs and, you know, apps and, and things like that. And it really works for me. Um, it, it, Some ways it almost kind of felt like it was cheating, but, you know, I still felt like I got the benefits um, and and I, you know, I go back and forth to it's kind of like exercise. I can't say that I've done it consistently, but it's one of those tools that I've always known I can fall back on. You know, you mentioned the ebb and flow, and sometimes we're just slammed and, and you know, we, we know we're working too hard and it, over time it builds up and you start to get less and less effective. We get to that point, you know, where we're wired and tired all the time. You know, we're, we're amped up and we're wired, but we, we're exhausted. Um And this all fits in with this whole um subject we've been talking about for an entire month now, which is adrenal fatigue, because this is a big part of how it happens. And I know when I get to that point that I've just got to force myself to do something to change it. Meditation, even, you know, guided with apps and hypnosis, has always been, just really effective for me. It just really gets me to slow down. And it's kind of like the gym. I love it when I do it. I feel better. And yet, sometimes you just don't do it consistently. You get busy. You mm-hmm. think you don't have time. Um, I, I've been really, really consistent with it for about the last 30 days, which is actually a pretty long streak for me. Many times, I'll do it for a couple weeks, feel great, and you know, go back to not doing it again. And I like the you know working out or being active so the cool thing this time is I've been playing around with some <laughs> tools and some apps and now actually a wearable device and now I can measure the results and it is absolutely amazing what I've been coming up with and and I'm in you know geek mode overdrive lately in fact i you know i tell people look if you're going to try something if you're going to test thing do one thing at a time so you can identify what worked i can't even follow my own advice i have like eight experiments all going on at the same time so now i've got to maybe slow down a little bit and and you know isolate each one the good news is whatever i'm doing is really working Um, And and I'm measuring these things in a lot of different ways, a lot of biomarkers, so blood sugar, blood pressure, pulse rate, heart rate variability, which is one of the new ones that I'm just really excited about. Uh, So that's part of what I've been experimenting with. And using all these different strategies, things we're going to, you know, talk about today uh, in the webinar, and that's why I've been doing them. You know, I've been really testing them what works. And the, the new thing that I've been doing around meditation is there an, there's actually a wearable device now that and there's a lot of science behind this. This isn't the technology and the idea is not new. We have been able to measure brain waves for a very, very long time. And we know what they mean. And, and, you know, when you're in a calm state of mind, when you're in a focused state of mind, when your mind is agitated, we've been able to measure that, but only in a lab setting. It required really expensive equipment. So it wasn't something, you know, you were going to do to figure out if you were meditating better or, you know, heart rate variability, the same thing. We've known about heart rate variability for a very long time. We know all the information it gives us. And yet, you had to go to a lab. Um, it was not readily available. And right now, I have two devices that I've been using every day um, for coming up on a month on one of them and several weeks on the other. One measures heart rate variability, the other one measures brain waves. And it's designed the brainwave device is designed to help you learn how to meditate properly. And I I am just blown away by how accurate this thing is and how amazing the feedback is. It's just incredible. It's literally like I can control the app with my mind. And that sounds like science fiction, but it's exactly how this works. And the company has actually put on demonstrations um, with people who are really good at this. And using the device and some programming, they have actually set up things where people can control like lights and, you know, music and all kinds of things with their mind. But that's what the app does. So you you put this on. It's kind of like a headband thing. You open up the app on your phone and you choose. You have some options. You choose some background um, sounds like the rainforest, the beach. Uh, the desert, music, and you start to meditate. And it kind of guides you a little bit, not a lot. And then the guidance kind of goes away and you're just meditating. And the idea behind meditating is really that you're just not thinking of anything. Typically, you focus on your breath um, and you try not to have any other thoughts, and it, it's been shown and proven that it actually rewires your brain in a better way, a stronger way. And they can even show a physical change in the brain from people who are, are long-time, you know, really efficient meditators. They can show that the brain grows, physically grows in people who are good at meditating. And so this app, the As you get into the session, your background sounds are playing, and there's three states of mind that it's measuring. Kind of active, which is what we don't want while you're meditating. Calm, which is better, but then calm and focused, and focused on just your breath so that there's no other thoughts. That's the state we're really trying to get to when you get to that state that's when the brain actually starts rewiring itself and and growing and improving making new connections and so as you listen the music or the sounds whatever background sounds you've chosen if you're in the active state they get loud and stormy like if you chose a rainforest you you know you get wind and lightning and thunder and then as you move into the calm state it gets quieter and then if you can get to the calm and focused state it gets really quiet and you hear birds start chirping and it is just amazing because you literally control the app with your mind if i want to make it storm on the app i can make it storm that's actually easy getting to the birds chirping is the challenge.
2: Um,
0: And you know, it's interesting you, and so using that along with the HRV, the heart rate variability app that I have, which that measures your two different nervous systems, your, um, you know, fight and flight, which we've been talking a lot about and your rest and digest, they're, they're two separate nervous systems. And the heart rate variability can measure the strength of each one of them. What we're really looking for is we want both of those nervous systems to be strong. They can either be strong or weak or somewhere in between. What we want them to be is strong because they're both very important. And most of the time, we'd really like to have them balanced. And and this app will show you that. But there are times when you may want to be in that uh, strong fight or flight mode. If you have a lot of work to do, a big project, uh, you want to do something physical, if you're you know, any kind of a, an athlete or you're in a sport, when you're competing or doing a big project, you would want your fight or flight response to be dominant because that that's what it does. It, it you know, gets adrenaline running through our body, it kind of shuts down or slows down other functions so we can focus on that physical activity. On the other hand, if you wanted to be working on a really creative project, and I do that a lot, you would actually want both of your nervous systems to be strong, but you would want your rest and digest to be dominant. And the app measures this. I mean, constantly, I can go in and check it whenever I want and run a little session. And um, I, it's, when I first started doing all of this, I was a little stressed. Um, you know, we had a lot of stuff going on and I was working really hard on things and um, it showed in my score, you know, both of my systems would start to weaken and I would start to get very uh, fight or flight dominant. Um, And when they're both weak and you're fight or flight dominant, that's what really leads to adrenal fatigue. You have no balance. Your fight or flight is overactive um, and and you're kind of weak in both areas. So I'm going to get to a break. There's the music. I'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about um, how that's been changing and what I've been doing. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. So, Kim, it, it, it's just amazing with these two pieces of technology. I, I can measure, you know, the and and learn how to meditate better, and then I can see the results of that meditation in my heart rate variability and how it's affecting the two different nervous systems. And it's it it's just amazing. That and, and it's so accurate. It absolutely coincides with how I'm feeling and how I'm performing. And we now have this way of measuring these things. And I've said for years, if you can't measure something, it's really hard to improve it. And if you can measure something, it becomes much easier to improve it. So the the heart rate variability, um, the strength score kind of is from 0 to a 100. And You know, I've been as low as in the 40s. And I will tell you, when I was in the 40s, I felt awful. I had to push through just to get the simplest stuff done. We had no motivation, not a whole lot of energy. I was feeling that kind of wired and tired feeling. And I started to put all of the things into practice that I'm going to be teaching today in the webinar. And there's a whole list of them. I'm not going to go through them all now. And I I wish you could see my charts and graphs, how they just keep increasing. Every marker keeps getting better and better. Blood pressure goes down. Blood sugar gets more under control and more consistent. Pulse rate is better. Um, Heart rate variability, obviously, is, is going up. And I stay really well balanced between the two nervous systems until I really started meditating, you know, pretty intensely. I'm doing anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour a day, which is a lot of meditation. Three minutes sometimes can be really beneficial. In fact, you're much better off doing three minutes of meditation every day rather than an hour a week, once a week. So, you know, three minutes a day, seven days, only be 21 minutes for the whole week, but that's much more effective than doing just, you know, an hour once a week. So it doesn't take a lot of time to get the benefits. I'm literally doing 30 to 60 minutes a day, and the the results are amazing. My HRV score went from 46 to the other day, it peaked at like 92, and 100 is as good as you can get. And mostly balanced but I've been leaning more and more towards the rest and digest dominant side which for me right now is a great thing because that's when you can be really effective at you know creative kind of projects writing and presentations and those are the kind of things I want to work on right now so just just absolutely I'm excited Um, And we're, you know, we're putting some programs together around all of this stuff. I I actually have a meeting today with the company that makes the wearable device for meditation. They have a professional program um, where we would sell the device in our store and we would have a dashboard that our clients, we would actually see all of their data and their results from their sessions so we could guide them and help them out.
1: I am so excited for this because I think we have this um feeling about meditation, and I always did too, you know that it's just you know set the time aside and you know relax and this and that, but it should be a measurable thing, and it should be able to I love when you said um oh people could they could measure how it rebuilt brain cells and so forth, and then when you stop and you think, you know it's like yeah why not we're we're destroying them other ways, you know from stress yeah. and other kinds of things, it's kind of, it's very encouraging to see that there's things that we can do um, that will help rebuild it. I mean, just like, you know, deep breathing can help us with our heart rate and that kind of stuff. So this is a very exciting, um, exciting place we're going with us. Let me ask you this. So you're measuring all this and you could see how it's affecting you. How? How are you feeling? Like, what do you feel that's different since you've been putting focus to this?
0: You know, one of life, one of my biggest problems that I fight with all the time, and I've talked about this. I've talked about how difficult it is for me to write, um, and I've always struggled with that because I have all this information in my head. I do all this research, I do all this reading, I do all this testing, and the only way I seem to be really effective at getting it across is talking. I mean, that's what I do. I talk, but. Talking is not the best form of communication for this kind of material. Mm-hmm. Writing is much better. And I've always struggled with writing and creating. And, you know, we do webinars and presentations in the CMC, and that requires a lot of creativity and writing. And And I, I it's the hardest thing I have to do. The biggest change I see is, um, is how much easier that becomes when I can keep my HRV high and slightly towards the rest and digest side, and all of a sudden, it's not as hard to do those things. It still work, but most of the time it's so hard I just put it off, and and I don't do it mm-hmm. until I absolutely have to, and it's last <laughs> yeah. minute, and I, you know, and then I'm in the fight or flight mode. The whole time i'm doing it and i know i'm not putting out my best work and the biggest difference i see is it's still work but i don't put it off nearly as much um i won't say i'm still you know just sit down knock it out um i still have to work at it but it's it's a huge measurable improvement in how um my brain is actually able to stay on task stay focused and stay creative for much longer periods of time. And then there's just kind of this sense of well-being. That's hard to describe, but it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah, you feel better, you know, just Mm -hmm. overall, everything. Physically, I feel better. Mentally, I feel better. Um, It's pretty amazing. Really is.
1: Well, and we've talked about with um, a lot of the one-on-ones we're doing, you know, how we're we're finding um, that with all the adrenal issues and stress, you know, how important it is. I think this will be a game changer for a lot of our tribe. It's put some focus and dedication to this as well.
0: You know, and that's really what the motivation for this was. You and I have done so many one-on-ones, and, you know, we look at the major issues, digestion. Everybody has that problem, but... We fix it almost 100% of the time, and, I, and I, I could almost say 100% of the time because eventually we seem to fix it with just about everybody. Some people are a little mm-hmm. trickier. We have to work a little harder. We have to try a couple different things. That one's pretty easy. Um, blood sugar handling, for the most part, pretty straightforward. We don't really struggle with that one a lot. Um, the one we were just really frustrated with was when somebody was showing high in a, adrenal pituitary thyroid, that whole hormonal area, we were not being very effective. Diet didn't seem to help. Supplements weren't really helping. And, and we were kind of stumped. And that's what, you know, really motivated me to, to dig into this. And it's been a couple months now. I mean, I've done a, i have done a and I was a little intimidated by this whole area in the beginning. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I listened to some people that said, well, you know, we actually another NTP that was working with a bunch of our listeners and kept telling me they're all in adrenal fatigue and it's the low carb keto diet. You can't do this. And, and I started to believe, well, maybe that was it. And it, it wasn't it. it. And I didn't think it was. But again, I was a little intimidated and I thought, well, maybe I just don't understand this enough. And, you know, when I dig in and I do research, you know, I become pretty confident about things. I'll stand, you know, toe to toe with somebody right now and say, this is not a low-carb issue. As long as you keep the low-carb nutrient dense, and we're going to talk about that today in the webinar as well. And and that can be challenging, but as long as you keep the low-carb nutrient dense and you do some occasional what we call refeeding, you know, do a little bit of carb loading on a, on a schedule that works for you. For me, it's a daily thing. I, I kind of carb load a little bit at night. Um, some people will do it, you know, every five or 10 days or whatever schedule. And so kind of a, a cyclical keto or low carb really is not, does not aggravate this at all. If it's nutrient dense and and you cycle in and out in some form, I don't believe, and and with all the evidence I've looked at, that that is contributing to this at all. In fact, I think it's helping it. I I think it's one of the better diets to fix this if you do it right. But diet alone will not fix this, and diet and supplements won't fix this. This is a lifestyle issue. You you need the really good diet to support it. You might need some of the supplements to support you know gaps in nutrition. But you've got to address the lifestyle side of this to fix it. So that's really what we've been talking about with meditation. And actually, I have, you know, some pillars that, that we're going to talk about in the webinar today. I'm going to mention them when we get back from the break. We're going to take a call or two. And uh, we'll do that right after this break. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Roth. All right, we're heading into the final segment of the first hour. I'm going to get to a call or two in this segment. Then we're going to come back, and in the next hour, we're going to get to a lot more. So stick with us. Here we go. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. Uh, Kim, so, you know, the the areas we look at on the lifestyle side of this, um, stress reduction, which is number one. That That's where we really have to start our focus, kind of like on the food side, we start with diet. Um and then we move to digestion. Here, we have to start on stress reduction. That's why we're talking about heart rate variability and how that shows us stress levels. Um, Talking about meditation because that's one of the most powerful ways to reduce stress. I have a a ton of other stress-related things we're gonna talk about in the webinar. Um, Then we also have sleep, movement, and connection. And, and those are the lifestyle areas that we have to address. The sleep and the stress are so wrapped up together that virtually everything you do to reduce stress is going to improve your sleep. And when you improve sleep, it's going to improve your stress levels. And both of them actually have a huge impact on your blood sugar and your blood pressure. So they're, they're really, really all wrapped up together. Uh, And then uh, movement, and and I want to use the term movement instead of exercise. Um, You know, I I think we kind of got off track a little bit on exercise. Obviously, it's much better for somebody to exercise, even if it's not the best, than not to do anything. It's Better to be active in any form than not be. But I, I think we've turned exercise into something that people dread. They feel like they have to do, they, you know, they have to have a gym membership or they have to go jog this many miles or, you know, I, I don't think we look at it as fun. You know, it, it, we look at it as something, well, I have to do that because I know it's healthy or, you know, I know it'll improve this. And, and I think we, we've made two mistakes around that exercise. Um, one, it's not fun. It feels like it's something we have to do. And two, I think we do way too much of it time-wise. I I don't Mm -hmm. think we do it very efficiently to get the benefits. We could be doing about one-tenth of the time of what some people put into exercise and get all the benefits. So I want to use the term movement. Just be more active, but make it fun and make it something that you say – Instead of saying, oh, my God, I have to get up an hour early tomorrow so I can get into the gym and get this over with and then get on with my day. I mean, that seems to be the typical way we think about it. I want to turn that around. I want people to say, boy, I might knock off work an hour early today because I want to go play. You know, I want to go get active and move and have fun. And it doesn't have to be a huge commitment and it doesn't have to be scheduled all the time. And, it, you know, just get out and move and have fun. That, that could be hiking, it could be paddle boarding, it, you know, preferably outside, because there are multiple benefits to being outdoors when you do this. Um, this is a great thing I'm going to talk about today called habit stacking. You know, how do we take 30 minutes and get multiple benefits out of it? Um, so... And then connection, you know, that that's just that human connection or, you know, I I kept using the term human connection. And one day I was sitting there writing and thinking about this and I was petting diesel and I thought, you know what? This doesn't have to be a human connection. There's a really strong bond with animals that gives you all the same benefits. So, you know, we can even talk about connection with an, an animal or a pet, but those are really the the ways we address the lifestyle side of this adrenal fatigue problem. So it's stress reduction, sleep movement connection.
1: I love it. I can't wait till we get talking about it because it's just um, just near and dear to my heart too. All
0: right. Well, we've just about uh, blown through most of the show, but let's take a couple questions. Let's go to Ohio. Paul, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, Kevin. Hey, I got a question for you. I'm going to get I'm going to order me one of them HBR monitors today. I found the one that you're using online. Okay. I'm al- but I'm also looking for a glucose tester and then I was going to get a blood pressure monitor, but if I get that HRV te- uh band, do I need to get a blood pressure monitor too or not?
0: You do. It doesn't do blood pressure. It can do pulse and okay. heart rate variability. Um you know, and and the automatic blood pressure monitors, I'll tell you which one I have right now because I've had it for several years and it works really well. And I, I know how to take blood pressure the traditional way with a stethoscope. And I've, I've checked this one for accuracy. It's really accurate. Um, it's called OMRON, O-M-R-O-N. It seems to me like I picked it up um probably just in like a Walgreens or somewhere. I think I was on the road when I did it, and I've had it for several years now, and it works great. You slide it up your arm, tighten it, hit the button, and it does uh, pulse and blood pressure at the same time.
3: All right. What about a glucose tester? What do you use? Do
0: Do you have an iPhone or an Android? iPhone. Oh, good. Because the device that we really like, and we are working to get it in our store, but you could go to their website and get it. Um, it's called a Dario, D A R I O, and it works with your smartphone. So it's just this really tiny little package where they engineered this thing really well. Everything's in this one little piece that you can carry in your pocket, and then it uses your smartphone, so it tracks your results really well, and and we're Going to start recommending this for our clients that we're working with because it's super easy to share your results right from the app. So when when we're working okay. with somebody, monitoring their blood sugar, you know, one tap and they can send it, send the results right to us.
3: All right. Well, I got a recommendation for you because I haven't heard anybody say anything about it. Set of bathroom scales. Yeah. I bought a set of scales. Uh, over Christmas, because I got on the keto diet around that time. And I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce the name, but it's D-E-T-E-C-T-O.
2: Okay. And it's
3: iConnect is what the brand is. And it when it's got little metal pads in the bottom of it. So when you step on it, it gives you your BMI, your current percentage of body fat, your current percentage of body water, your bone mass, muscle mass, and your daily calorie intake. Wow. And it's got an app. You downloaded the app onto your phone, and it stores all that stuff. And then you can go back, and uh, it's set up where you can export it to your computer and print it out.
0: Awesome. It's really pretty, handy. I love it. Yeah, that's cool. I I have one not nearly as, as uh, in-depth as that. Mine does uh, body fat percentage, obviously weight and body fat percentage, and it does... Um, you know, connect to my Fitbit account and store some of the information in there. But I'm going to take a look at this one. Cause I, I'd like all that other information it gives you.
3: Yeah. It was about 70 bucks. I bought it at a Meyer oh. store. It's like a Walmart. It's in the Midwest. I'm sure you can get them anywhere. So
0: yeah, that boy, that's, I think I paid more th- than that for mine and mine doesn't do nearly as much.
3: Yeah. This one runs on a set of double A batteries. The only thing, uh, obviously in a truck because it's got four little pads in each corner when you step on it it's hard to do that in a truck with got carpet or a rubber mat what i did is bought a small plastic cutting board that you use oh, in the kitchen I should... and i lay that on the floor and then set that scale on it and i stand on it
0: good idea i'd Works love good. that thank you yeah thanks for the heads up on that i'm gonna check that one out uh, let's see. I think we can squeeze one more in. Let's go to Texas. Wade, welcome to the program.
4: Hi, Kevin. Um, I was, have you, uh, come up with any, any more on, uh, your, uh, oh, you were talking about it on the last show, what, uh, some of your, uh, recipes?
0: Yes. Yeah, I continue to work on recipes, um, uh. You know, what I'm working on now is what we're going to refer to as nutrient-dense keto. You know, so we've been talking about a keto diet for a long time, but I think it's really kind of time to step up and stop making excuses that it's too hard to do on the road. And keto isn't hard to do on the road. We know that. But it's really time to to step up to a a really high-quality, nutrient-dense keto. And, yeah, I continue to work on ways to do it on the road. I'm going to share a lot of those, including a, a list that we put together today in the webinar, and then eventually this is going to make it into our online course that I'm working on, um, which is going to include meal plans and and all of those things. Right now, I'm just developing and testing recipes because, you know, it's one thing to say, "Well, here's a great recipe; it's got all the right nutrients." It's another to be able to do it on the road in the truck with all the shopping and the preparation so that's really what's kind of taking a lot of time i am literally doing each recipe shopping for it you know how easy is it to get the food you need uh preparing and storing and cleaning up you know how what how easy is that to do on the truck so yeah to answer your question still moving forward on that um uh, and What I have so far, we're going to share in the uh, webinar today. There's the music. That means I've got to get out of here. We will see you next time. In the meantime, eat real food. Sleep like a baby. Move like your life depended on it. Connect like you mean it. And remember, a healthy person has hundreds of wishes. A sick person only has one. Stay healthy, my friends. We'll see you next time. I'm Kevin Robbins. All right, we're going to do a second hour. We're going to get to a lot more questions this time, so here we go.
5: Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry.
3: This is Trucking Business
0: and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs,
5: back in your pocket.
0: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is Destination Health. My co-host, Kim Cockerham, is here with me, and we're here to take your calls and answer your questions about everything health. We've been lied to for decades, and it's killing us. Kim and I are here to help you find the truth and find your path and destination to health. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about food, fitness, diet, lifestyle, nutrition, supplements, drugs, diseases, you name it, anything goes. Just pick up the phone and ask the question. We're going to get to those questions in just a couple minutes. Kim, welcome.
1: I'm so glad to be here, Kevin.
0: So last show, we uh, we talked about meditation and, you know, continuing on that whole theme of adrenal fatigue, and we're, we're doing webinars on it this month, and we, we really, I mean, we almost took up the whole show. We only got to a couple of questions. So today, we've got one topic. Uh, we'll see if you have anything. If not, we're just going to jump into questions today. Um, you know, I... I I use that phrase a lot we've been lied to, and it's killing us and it it's absolutely true. there's so much evidence we could look around between um, big agriculture, big pharmaceutical and big food, and big government It's a wonder we're still alive and walking around on the planet, but uh, you know the more I look at people, the more I read, the more I see how absolutely sick and unhealthy people are today.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it is sad. And, you know, and it's, it's, you just know there's such a better way. And it's that one kind of thing, you know, you don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know, <laughs> I can help. But you, you, yeah. you ache for it too, because you just know, I mean, it's, we're surrounded by misinformation, by what we've, you know, grown up with and, and, and it's hard, it's scary almost to see possibly a different way. You just don't believe it. It's easier to believe the big, big guys, you know, so Yeah, it's but I think I think what we're doing, you know, you change it one person at a time and, you know, we we uh, we call it the power of one, you know, so everybody out there, everybody who's working, you know, who our our health tribe out here, they're changing their own families. Well, that's just going to keep rippling out over and over again. So. So, yeah, one at a time.
0: Yeah, there you go. So what prompted some of this? I've been watching a series on uh, I think it's the History Channel. I'm right in the middle of it now. It's a pretty long series, but it's called America's War on Drugs. And I'm just fascinated by how we got to where we are. And when we say war on drugs, we think of street drugs. What I don't think most people are aware of is how intertwined street drugs are with pharmaceutical drugs. You know, we know how bad meth is, right? I mean, that that's a huge problem in in our country. Um what I don't think most people realize was in the 1980s. That wasn't that long ago. In the 1980s, methamphetamine was a pharmaceutical drug and it was given to children with ADHD. Oh wow. Yeah, we always think of meth as, you know, being cooked in some lab out in the country and you know that it's just this nasty street drug methamphetamine started as a pharmaceutical drug and we gave it to children.
1: I did not know that.
0: That's scary. Um, so it, on, on the show, the, the very first episode, LSD acid. Do you know how that made its way to this country? Mm-mm, no. CIA. So it Where, it was, yeah. In like the 40s, I think I might have my dates wrong, but right around there during the Cold War, you know, with Russia and the communists, it was developed in a lab in Switzerland. It was the only place on the planet it existed. And the U.S. government was afraid that the Russians were going to get it and use it for mind control. So we went to this lab in Switzerland and we bought every bit of it that existed. It was enough LSD to dose half the population of the United States and we bought it all. Oh my gosh. And then we brought it back to this country and we started experimenting on people with it.
1: I had no idea. That's really scary.
0: We experimented on. Yeah. We experimented on soldiers. We experimented on prisoners. We experimented on volunteers They ran all kinds of tests with LSD and then people here figured out how to actually make it. Mm -hmm. And that's how it got started. The, the, the series.
1: Interesting stuff. I'll tell you.
0: The whole cocaine thing. Um, that, that was the second episode. I won't even get into that because it'll take the rest of the show. But if you want to look it up, it's called The War on Drugs. It's actually being aired for the first time right now on the History Channel. So um, okay. check that out. But the other huge problem we have, that's that we have pharmaceutical drugs intertwined with street drugs, and it's worse than every other drug problem we've ever faced, whether it was meth LSD, crack, whatever you want to point to, nothing even came close to the problem we're facing right now. And I can't believe it's not being talked about more. And that's opioids, painkillers. Yeah. The statistics just came out for the year 2016, and it is absolutely frightening. So I I talked, remember last week, I think I talked about the fact that there are now more crash-related deaths linked to opioids than alcohol. That's mm-hmm. really scary because, look, alcohol is available on every street corner, and it's legal. Super easy to get, and yet we have more people dying in car, automobile, and, and vehicle accidents because of opioids than alcohol. The Some of the so other statistics... Um, you know, 2014 and 15 was a really bad year, but 2016, the incidence of death by overdose went up by 19%. So this is not a problem that we are even close to having a handle Mm-mm. on. Mm-mm. And yeah, and,
1: it's, and it reaches across all socioeconomical barriers. I mean, just everywhere. It's everywhere.
0: It is everywhere. and And it is it has absolutely been shown that all of these street deaths that you see, and, and we see heroin addicts. And when we think of a heroin addict, we think of a skid row bum out mm-hmm. on the sidewalk, you know, shooting up. And, and mm-hmm. eventually that's where many of them end up because this destroys their life. What you don't see is that a huge percentage of them, ended up that way because they were prescribed an opioid painkiller by a doctor or a hospital.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And they were told it's not addictive and it is incredibly addictive and they should not be used for, for everyday kind of pain. They were originally only prescribed for like near death kind of pain, cancer and terminal illnesses where you know, at that point, if you get addicted, well, at least you're comfortable while you die. I mean, that that was really the point of those drugs. They're so powerful. Um, but now they're they're used. It, it, it is the first OxyContin is now the first drug recommended for lower back pain.
1: Yeah, I believe that I I've see. I've, there's people um, I grew up with that that uh, a that come to mind right away that dealt with it. One ended up in jail one ended up losing a, he was actually on a government seat, lost it. You know, it was strictly it both of them started back issues and were given that. And that was two, 10 plus years ago. I mean, it's been out there for a long time and now it's just even getting even worse.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's funny you say that, that you know somebody because one of the statistics I'm looking at one in four Americans and one in three millennials know somebody addicted to opioids Mm -hmm. opioids now kill more americans than car crashes
1: that's scary and it's devastating the american family too you're seeing um i just heard it was last week or week before where they're saying that's one of the new things like with um housewives and stuff too i mean it's just and um what it's doing to families is is sad
0: Yeah, so there's no question we have a lot of chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about pain, and, and we've talked about this in the past, pain and inflammation are normal. They're actually part of the healing process. Our diet is so poor and our lifestyle is so poor that we end up with chronic pain, which is not natural. If you injure a part of your body, you should have pain and inflammation. That's part of the healing process. Your body should heal and the pain should go away. I mean, virtually every injury should be that way. But we're to the point where once we have an injury, our diet and nutrition is so poor that we stay chronically inflamed and chronically in pain. And, and make no mistake, I understand why people look for relief. Pain is miserable. You can't function when you're in pain, I get that. But this is not the answer. The answer is to get proper nutrition and a good, clean diet and fix the root cause of the problem, not cover it up with an addictive drug that will ruin your life and kill you. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to get to your calls and questions right after the break. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We're going to get to your calls in just a minute. Kim, just a couple more things on this. Um, if we look at all of the opioid drugs produced in the world, Americans use 80% of them. Oh, wow. What does that uh, say? Good. Great. Yeah think this next sentence, I had to keep reading this, and I can't even wrap my mind around this. If we look at all the states in the country, Alabama has the highest opioid prescription rate. So doctors in Alabama are writing more opioid prescriptions than any other state. But listen to this. In Alabama, it says 143 prescriptions for opioids are written for every 100 people. How does that work? Yeah, right. Does it say?
1: Because it doesn't. Mean no, that. I can't.
0: I can't even get my head around that. That means it can't mean that every person living in the state of Alabama has a prescription for opioids. So it has to mean that a very large percentage of them do, and they have multiple prescriptions, mm-hmm. many multiple prescriptions. Mm-hmm. That's insane. hmm
2: Wow.
0: <sighs> it's crazy. And opioids will absolutely destroy your health. I mean, even even if you're not, you know, full-blown addicted and out on the street, um, just taking them in in what they would call a therapeutic dose is really, really bad for your health.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, when you end up with a committee that's going to try to tackle it. We got to tackle it on the home front.
0: Yeah. One, one more thing, promise, then we're going to get to the calls. Um, fentanyl is, is an opioid drug, a synthetic opioid drug. It is 100 times more powerful than morphine, and it's now being used to lace and cut street heroin mm-hmm. because it's fairly cheap, and it, it gives people an incredible high. And here's the, the really crazy thing. When there is an overdose, you know, the the drug dealers brand their heroin. They give it names and and brand it, which is just crazy. That Pretty soon we're going to have drug dealers with marketing departments. Um, But what happens is if somebody overdoses and dies on a certain brand from a certain dealer, all the other addicts want to go get that stuff because they know it's really good.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And you will see... You'll see reports of 17 heroin overdose deaths in Cincinnati over the Mm -hmm. weekend. They come Mm -hmm. in waves because this incredibly potent batch will hit the street. And when people hear about it, they go look for it. They had a
1: case.
0: Fentanyl is so powerful. They had a Mm -hmm. case where a police officer, this was in Ohio, a police officer, confiscated fentanyl they're trained to wear goggles Mm -hmm. a mask Mm -hmm. and gloves when they handle it because it's so potent he did that he got a little bit of it's like a white powder he got a little bit of it on his shirt and later on in the day somebody mentioned it to him and he wiped it off with his bare hand he ended up in the emergency room in a coma
1: oh my goodness oh my goodness
0: that's how powerful that stuff is. All right, enough depressing talk. Let's get to some phone calls.
1: That is. I know, <laughs> it's, it's I know. It's depressing and, and you feel a little helpless, but we need to, all of us take some ownership and see what, you know, at least educate ourselves on what's out there.
0: Yeah, all right. Let's go to Oklahoma. Stuart, welcome to the program.
4: I yesterday there, Kevin.
0: Absolutely. What's on uh, your mind
4: today? Well, I'm in Alabama, and I've got 143 opioid uh, uh, prescriptions here. But <laughs> I was, call- was calling, man, uh, since I have got out of the trucking industry, uh, I went back into the ketogenic diet. Uh, since, uh, you know, it got a little stressful, so I started eating horrible again, you know. And so I put myself back into the keto diet. I'm not losing, I'm not losing any weight this time. Last time I lost 60 pounds and I'm, I'm, I think I'm doing everything right. I was kind of wondering if you could, you know, uh, go over some things with me. Uh, you know, is that. The dairy and the cheese is getting to me, or maybe these these diet drinks that have zero calories and zero carbs and all that, are they a lie?
0: What What am I doing wrong? Well, both of those things could be a factor. So you, you do have to watch dairy can really be problematic for a lot of people, and, and it, there are some effects and some ways that it could block weight loss. I am not a fan of um, artificially sweetened drinks. I'm even not a fan of naturally like stevia and monk fruit and some of those, um, they show that it, it, it can actually block some weight loss, that it can continue to create the the cravings for sweeter foods. So you tend to eat more carbs, you know, even without noticing when you drink those. So both of those could be problematic, but there is a bigger issue here and There isn't a lot of understanding. This seems to be a pretty common pattern. People will do a keto diet for the first time and the results are incredible. They'll go off of it, you know, gradually over time, they'll gain some of the weight back. They go back to it and they don't get the same results the second time. And there, there isn't a lot of consensus about why it happens and how to fix it. So normally what we do, Um, when we're working with somebody is we just start looking at the things that can block weight loss in general. Uh, Sometimes fasting can kind of jumpstart this. So you might want to look at some, you know, maybe a bone broth fast or a water fast or even a fat fast. You know, maybe you fast on, you know, uh, some bulletproof coffee and some bone broth. So maybe a form of fasting can kind of jumpstart this. Um, digestion can be part of the problem. So, um, you know, have you taken our NutriQ?
4: Uh, no, I, I like I said, I've been, I've been out of the trucking. I hadn't listened to you in, in about eight months now. I, no, I noticed on the website today, you're, you're selling some new stuff, but, yeah. uh, 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 unfortunately okay. I've been out of it for a while.
0: So we have something called the NutriQ. And, and it's an online questionnaire. And um, if you go to the website, look under health plans, you'll see the free. We do it free. Um, you sign up for it. We send you a link. You go in and you take, you answer all the questions. And they're about symptoms. And it's all about, you know, different systems in the body and what kind of symptoms you're experiencing. And every single question, every symptom, even though some of them sound really bizarre, Every one of them tells us something about what's going on in your body. Things like digestion, right. blood sugar control, adrenal hormone levels, immune system. Uh, it's a really in-depth questionnaire. And then we'll give you some general recommendations for free. Um, then right. we could use that if somebody wanted to work with us, you know, in our, our um, mentoring programs. It, it really tells us what's going on. Um, and a lot of times we can look at that and spot what the roadblock might be. The other big one is what we've been talking about all month, which is um, adrenal fatigue and stress. Huge, huge block for weight loss. You can do right. everything right on the diet side, and the weight will just not come off until you can address um, those symptoms of adrenal fatigue.
4: All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm under, I mean, with the expansion of the business growing like crazy, I, I am under a lot of stress and there is hardly any time to myself. Do you think, do you think that alone though, would, would completely mm-hmm. keep you See, at a that, standstill?
0: That, that's almost everybody's response. And Kim, I hear you in the background. Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's, it's just one of those things, and I know a lot of people do this, like Kevin, you said too, you know, I was the same way. Mine was 10 years ago when I first did keto, um, and it's different now. I also had to get my arms around, um, oh, I used to be the on-again, off-again type thing too, and, and now I've really embraced it completely as a lifestyle. So be patient with it, Stuart, but uh-huh. absolutely stress is, my, is the number one um, thing that I was dealing with holding me back. Um, and... It, it, it's twofold when you do start tackling it. First of all, you just find so much peace and joy in your life, and then you find your health coming right behind that too. So really right. encourage you to, all right. to do that. Can,
4: can, I, can, I, can I ask one more silly question before I uh, get off of here? Um, sure. I, I think I've got the gist of it right, and I just want to go back over it with you because, like I said, I'm just perplexed. I'm at a total loss i've I've averaged under twelve hundred calories a day since I've been back on it fat uh, be- and, I'm, and I'm doing no carbs that you know no carbs at all to speak of my, a little onion here and there on my salad is what what I think
0: uh, okay. but I, but I'm having no hold that thought we're gonna come back. I've got some ideas for you, and uh you know th- this if it's any of the stuff, digestion, macronutrients, pretty easy. We we solve those problems all the time. If it's the hormonal side, the adrenal fatigue, a little tougher, but we're getting better all the time, um, and that's why we've been talking about it so much. But we'll be right back. Stick around, I'm Kevin Roth. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim is here with me. We are talking with Stuart in Oklahoma about keto and weight loss. So, Stuart, let me take a step back for a second. Weight loss, we now know, and this is really, really new science, and it's still being explored and disputed and argued, but this is like the cutting edge of weight loss right now. Weight loss is way, way more about hormones than it is about calories or even macronutrient balances. There are some people who can lose weight on a much higher carbohydrate diet and some people who can't. And and we say, well, it's bioindividuality, individuality but ultimately it really comes back to hormones. And hormones are incredibly complicated, but what they kind of call the master hormone is insulin. And that's why macronutrient balance can be important. And that's why a ketogenic diet usually works because it, it really drastically reduces uh, insulin. Um, but it doesn't always work. And there are a couple things that can block that stress being a big one stress it will wreak havoc with hormones and and your response oh could stress really be the reason why i'm not losing weight that that's everybody's response the answer is absolutely that that may be the only thing that's blocking it but we could look at some other things um i, I would recommend that you use some sort of um nutrient tracker for a little while um you know right. we use, use chronometer um, there's several out there you can use. Uh, My Fitness Pal and a bunch of others, and I don't care which one you use, but I would use one. You could be right. overdoing protein.
4: All right. Uh, now, I, I, I honestly didn't take protein into account on this. I am doing a food journal, and I am walking six point eight miles a day. Uh, well, that's awesome. So but now, it, I didn't take protein into account. What what do I do with protein?
0: Well, here's the thing because this is about an insulin response and carbohydrates we absolutely know will trigger an insulin response, but so will protein. If you are very low carb and you are but you're consuming a lot of protein, your body will will convert the protein to glucose, and you get an insulin response.
4: Right. All right. So cut out the chicken and cut out the
0: eggs and continue um, on with everything not, else? Not necessarily cut it out, but watch the protein you're eating and and make it very high-fat cuts of protein or add fat to it. Um, to give you uh-huh. an example, and this is something I've been doing a lot of experimenting with lately, um, almost everybody in this country overdoes protein and on the bodybuilding side, forget it. They're so far off the charts. It's incredible. And then we feel like we don't get enough protein in our food and we eat protein bars and protein shakes and protein gummy drops and everything's protein. And it's going to be our next big problem after carbohydrates. If people don't get a handle on this and there are lots of other problems it causes not just weight gain, right? Um, protein is necessary, no question. But to give you an idea, uh, a 12 ounce New York strip is usually between 70 and 80 grams of protein. I am keeping my protein too much. Uh, well, uh, for my size and my weight, I am keeping my protein at 55 grams a day. So one uh, 12 ounce would put me over the top. So I might eat two or three ounces of tuna um, or salmon, a couple hard boiled eggs. And I even get rid of the whites and only eat the yolks so that I can get all the nutrition and, and eliminate some of the protein because the white is mostly protein. And anytime I do eat, you know, I might eat pork ribs, you know, four or five ounces of pork ribs, which are more fat than protein. So watch the protein. It, it is the one thing that people tend to way overdo on a keto diet. All right.
4: You think that'll put me back in? Oh, man, you're a
0: lifesaver,
4: Kevin. I, I really do appreciate
0: that. And, you know, if, if you get a chance, go in and do the NutriQ. I, I just got a, uh, a text from Matt, and, and Matt, Matt really understands this stuff inside and out. He gives me all kinds of great book recommendations. And Matt just sent me a message saying the NutriQ and the supplements have really helped him kind of jumpstart his weight loss again, and he's exactly where you are. He's lost a tremendous amount of weight doing this, and then slipped and gained it back, and and struggled, and it was the NutriQ and and some of the supplements. That jump-started this for him again. So it can be several things, but the NutraQues is a, a great place to start. Kim, I know you've worked with this a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so I'm so glad he called. And I that's the first thing I would look at, and the first thing I do. Just even when I slip, I do not say slip up. I mean, it's it's life, and and you know, you always want to get back to your healthy way of eating. But I do track food, you know, just to um, have my. It, to me, it helps me plan out my day but it does help me watch my macros pretty good. Um, especially, it's easy, like you said, it's easy for the protein to go too high, and we know what that does. Um, but it's just, a, it's just a level of tightening it up, and, and I was the exact same way, had to address my digestion. So there's little things you can do, Stuart, that um, are going to get you back on track.
0: You know, one of the interesting things, I, I kept coming across this statement in all of my reading about how satiating protein is supposed to be. That, that when you eat protein, it should really satisfy your appetite. I keep reading it everywhere. It absolutely does not work for me. It's almost like the more protein I eat, the more I want to eat. It, it, and when I've cut way back on my protein, um, my appetite control is much better on lower protein. Now, I, I said that about carbohydrates too, and that was true. The less carbohydrates I eat, the better appetite control I have. But I've also noticed that if if I don't watch protein, I'll start to get some of that hunger back. So I keep reading it everywhere, but it doesn't seem to work for me. Mm-hmm. Protein is not satisfying to my appetite at all.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a fine balance. You know, we know how much our body does need protein as well. It's just that we were always taught before. And I think even when we started the show, when we started the health show, I had a guideline I was going by, which was either – um Oh, you figure your weight out by kilograms and it was like either so that times one um, to a range of 1.8, 1.08, depending on your uh, activity level and stuff like that. And that was even pretty high. I mean, Kevin, when I was training for the iron, they had me up to almost 200 grams of protein, which is crazy. <laughs> and you know what? And I did the iron 12 pounds too heavy too, you know? So Yeah. Um, it's just it, so it's fascinating reading to me. And I, it's almost like water, you know, there's certain guidelines and you have to take everything like with a rule of thumb and fit it to your own life. And then, like you did, find the sweet spot with, you know, how you, you are with protein and how you are with carbs and find what works for you.
0: Yeah, I've actually found that I feel better if I lower my protein and increase my carbs a little bit and, and then hmm. really focus on quality really high-quality protein, grass-fed, pastured, and and make sure the carbs aren't junk carbs. They're really nutrient-dense, you know, berries and uh, figs or dates, things like that, if I want something a little sweet. But for me, I've found I, I can actually do better with a slightly higher carb count and keeping my protein down. And when I first looked, it did all the calculations and come with, it was actually 54 grams of of protein a day. I thought, that's insane. I can't make it through a day on 54 Mm -hmm. grams of protein (laughs) because it's in a lot of things. You know, we think of, but it's eggs, it's dairy, it's nuts. It's, it's in all kinds of things. And I thought, I I can't do this. And actually it's really easy. I'm not having a hard time. It's much harder to keep my carb count down. And, and I don't really have to work that hard at that, but, um, keeping the protein carb down as or the, yeah, the protein countdown hasn't been nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be.
1: Good. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, let's head off to Georgia. Brian, welcome to the program.
5: Thank you for taking my call. I, uh, I'm curious to know how you feel alcohol and keto, ketogenic work together.
0: Oh boy, uh, Kim and, I, Kim and <laughs> yeah. I could talk about this one all day. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite mm-hmm. subject. Let me just give you some history, um, and some of this history I'm not that proud of, but it is what it is. Um, I I just I grew up in a you know the youngest of seven kids in a family where alcohol was just around all the time. Um, my dad had no problem letting me have a beer with him in the garage when I was 13, and by the time I was 15 or 16. I could have a beer at home anytime I wanted one. So drinking was just kind of a normal part of growing up for me. And then I went through the whole teenage thing and drinking heavy in the military. Um, And then it changed a little bit when I got out, and I'll talk about that. And then I'll talk about where I am on that now. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. Kim's here with me. We are talking with Brian in Georgia about keto and alcohol. So, Brian, I just wanted to give you some history. You know, throughout my teenage years and in the military, I was probably what you would describe as a binge drinker. I didn't drink every day, but when I did drink, I drank a lot. Um, When I got out of the military, um, I quit doing that. You know, I had to get responsible and grow up and get a job. And driving, you can't, you know, do that a lot. But I, I the line that I really like, Larry Wingett says this all the time. Larry says, I don't drink a lot, but I drink often. And that kind of described me from, you know, about age 23 till just recently. I didn't drink a lot. I can probably count on one hand the times that I've been drunk in the last 30 years has been very, very few times, but there weren't many days in that 30 years that I didn't consume alcohol. Maybe a beer or two with dinner, maybe a glass of wine with dinner, maybe a glass of wine before bed. There were not many days that I didn't consume at least a little bit of alcohol. For a long time, it was wine. Wine while I made dinner, You know, uh, not in excess, but often, probably every day. And when I started, you know, keto, I absolutely documented that any amount of alcohol, any alcohol, whether it was low carb or not, knocked me out of ketosis every time. And I would have to fight the next day to get back into ketosis again if I drank alcohol, you know, in the evening. So this year, I thought, I'm going to try something. And New Year's Eve of 2016, I had a glass of champagne, one of my favorite things, and that was the last alcohol I've touched. So what, six, a little over six months now, probably the longest stretch in my life without alcohol since I was 14, which sounds kind of crazy, but um, I I like wine. Um, I used to brew my own beer, so I love craft beers. I'm not, I've never been really big on hard alcohols, but I have to say as much as I didn't want to quit drinking wine or having a beer once in a while. Now that I've quit, I'm really glad that I did. I I don't know that I'll quit for the rest of my life. My goal was to go one full year, which right now, when I first thought about it, I thought, oh my God, I don't think I can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, six months into it, it, it's a breeze. I don't even think about it anymore. Um, It doesn't feel like it's going to be hard at all to get through that year. And I may even just start changing my mind already. If I make it through a year, why go back? I'm not really missing it anymore.
5: Yeah, I, uh, like you, I don't drink a lot. Obviously, I drive. But uh, I was just curious what effect it had on the ketos. And was beer and wine worse than, like you say, the harder alcohol, tequila and vodka?
0: Yeah, or, there's a, there actually it seems just- to be two. They, there seems to be two factors here. A lot of alcohol is very high in carbs and it just, the carbs alone are hard to fit into a keto diet. So people would go to things like tequila and vodka, very, very low carb. But it seems to me, and there's a lot of evidence, the alcohol itself will knock you out of ketosis, even if it's not a carb issue. And I, I certainly found it. And, and, it wasn't like I was waking up with hangovers from you know, one or two glasses of wine, but I woke up knowing I wasn't in ketosis and not feeling as good as when I didn't drink it.
1: Well, that's ends up being a hormonal issue too. It messes with your insulin and your cortisol too. Um, oh yeah, that's Good what point. I found. The first time I first time I did ketosis, and that was about uh, ten years ago. Um, they allowed like the hard alcohol, and and I'm the same as Kevin. I like wine, and there is a, I have a place for it in my life, you know, where I do it. But um, I'm very aware it, if I have a stall um, on, and it, you know, if my goal is weight loss have a stall, and just how you plain feel. Um, alcohol being the number one thing that that messes with it, even though it's zero carbs, you know, the hard alcohol, zero carbs. And but it's um, it messes with your hormones.
5: Interesting. Can I ask one more question? Sure. Uh, What are your thoughts on corn tortillas?
0: Uh, I don't eat corn in any form. Um, Corn is really a grain and I just avoid all grains my recommendation to people is if you are going to include corn in your diet make it organic because if it's organic then we know it's non-gmo most corn in the country is genetically modified but if it's organic it can't be so at the very least if you are going to eat corn i I would make it organic so that it's non-gmo and verify that it's non-gmo um I have found an awesome substitute for tortillas and chips. There's a company called Siete Foods, S-I-E-T-E. And they make um, totally grain-free tortillas. They have a couple different varieties. And they make totally grain-free tortilla chips. And they have a couple different varieties of those. And this is not what I consider a substitution for those things if i wasn't eating this way and i just found these products and compared them against the standard tortillas flour or corn i would choose these anyway they're actually better nice yeah and you can you can order them online um thrive market where i order a lot of my products carries a couple of their things some of their chips um their tortillas are refrigerated so Uh, thrive doesn't carry anything that needs to be refrigerated but you can order right from siete foods i have found them in some whole foods markets uh, but for me now i just order them you know like 10 packs at a time i order a case of each thing that i like right from siete foods so it's a, a great substitute and and i just avoid corn kim um where where do you stand on corn
1: I'm not doing any grain right now, so, okay. um, and that's not something that I would be drawn to, to tell you the truth, like grain, uh, tortillas, um, the corn tortillas, but, um, I, I, I had the CTA before at your house and I just need to, I would like to get that in here because I do have, you know, my kids like tacos, you know, so, um, yeah. we'll do that and then I just do a taco salad instead, you know, but yeah, it's not something I, and I, I am called for. I got called to. Yeah. To, uh,
0: you know, corn... Corn was an easy grain for me to give up. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably the only thing I could say I missed if I really thought about it. Um, Sometimes in the summer when you find that really, really awesome sweet corn and I could throw it on the (laughs) ground. If I really thought about it, I would miss that. But I I don't think about it. Corn corn wasn't a hard one for me to eliminate. Uh, Let's get to another call. Let's go to Tennessee. David, welcome to the program.
5: Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I've got some paramedic friends of mine that I was just reminded when you were talking about the opiates and the uh, fentanyl being the strongest of all of them, that even touching your skin, that it'll absorb into you and the safety and precaution they have to take with the police departments and and the paramedics. Well, here's a note just for anyone that knows anybody that's addicted to opiates in the first place, or might be getting into contact with the fentanyl. The paramedics, generally only carry two milligrams of the uh, i think it's called uh naloxone naloxone which is an antidote for an
0: overdose Uh, what is it called well the 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 trade name is narcan i think you have the chemical name correct narcan is yeah it's a it's an antidote i think what they call it yeah it's an it's an antidote for an opioid withdrawal or uh overdose
5: Right. Well, they only carry about two. I think in milligrams or milliliters or whatever it's whatever it's marked at is two. And they tell me all the time it takes eight if you've got fentanyl in your system. It takes eight to bring you back out of it. And they don't carry it. And and most hospitals, you can even double check this. They only carry two to four in the whole entire hospital. The milligrams of that. So yeah, if somebody comes in, they're they're usually they put them in like a Uh, A state of uh, coma or something like that to hold them off until they can get enough of that to put
0: in their system. Wow. I know there are some states and and some cities probably, not states, cities I've seen programs where they distribute Narcan freely Mm
2: -hmm. and at no
0: charge to anybody who wants it and typically it's it's people living on the street who are addicts themselves and have a lot of friends who are addicts. They distribute it free and they teach people how to inject it. So you, you have junkies right. shooting other junkies with Narcan on the street and it's actually saving lives.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He told me that too, that uh, a lot of the places will do that, the clinics and stuff will give it yeah. away, especially if they know you're, you got friends or if you're addicted yourself to opiates. Yep. But I just yeah. i thought, I heard you talking about it, and I thought you know that's a that's a good thing because even still the paramedics will not carry enough of a dose to yeah. bring you back out of that fentanyl, so you know yeah, opiate's well that's no problem, but that other stuff it's so powerful you know it, it they just can't bring
0: you back, they don't have enough, yeah. Yeah, well, I've watched some episodes where they have to give multiple doses of the Narcan over and over and over until they finally get somebody out of that. So uh, that needs to change because this is a big problem. Uh, Kim, we're all out of time. Uh, Anything you want to wrap up with?
1: You know, we have this webinar coming up. Anybody listening right now, um, you know, call us if you want to get signed up or go to our website and sign up. You need PayPal. Um, but we have what hour and a half here. And anybody yep. who's listened to this at a later time, find out how to get onto our health services and catch all of them down the road.
0: Fantastic. Great stuff. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody. Thanks. And uh, if you're joining us on the webinar, we'll see you in about an hour and a half. And if not, we'll see you this weekend for the live show.